you uh, join me in prayer as we begin? Father, we, um, we recognize that among us there are many people, all of us really have been touched by violence of some sort, either in our homes or people that we know and love. And we just, Lord, as Corey prayed, we just lift them up to you and ask for your help and your blessing. You are not a stranger to violence. And we, Lord, celebrate the fact that in Christ we can begin again and begin anew. And so we welcome you into our church, into our lives, and even into our broken hearts. So now, Lord, we ask that you would help us to turn our hearts and our attention to your word once again as we open the book that saves and that redeems and that blesses and encourages and convicts. And we pray that this word would move in us and among us and that you would use this word to uh, help us take one step closer to you. So we love you, Lord, and we thank you for the beauty that you bring to us each day. And we pray your blessing on our time in the word. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Well, it's uh, third week in our study, uh, our series on financial freedom. And in this uh, study, we have been looking at the three laws of physical balance that relate very much to financial balance and margins in our lives. And so let me just review the three laws of physical balance. The first is a proper reference point. Uh, you can't deal without that. You can't have balance. If you're balancing on some kind of a tightrope or a, a, a beam, you can't make it without focusing on some reference point. Now, again, we just got back from a, a fishing trip. And uh, if you've ever been seasick... They tell you to look to the horizon. You know, don't be looking down at the floor or at the ocean, but look at the horizon. Have that reference point out there. And it was obvious that some of our guys didn't listen to my sermon uh, from the week before. We need a proper reference point. Be looking at the horizon. So, uh, And we discovered that the thing for us as Christians, the proper reference point is this. And you remember this. Um, I need to be knowing what? Where my money's going, right? Uh, the proper reference point for a strong financial balance is knowing where your money's going. And uh, so we talked a little bit about that, and we're going to talk more about that in uh, a couple of weeks. And then um, this helps us create a system. Uh, it's, I know when I talk about money, your eyes glaze over and you get kind of weird. But, but uh, this complex system, you know, people say, how do I do that? What you do is you write down the date, what you purchased, and how much you cost. That's, I know it's a complex system. You can do it. Okay? Piece of paper. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of date that you don't have anymore. You know, but the real date, you know, like the date that has a date, what you bought, and how much it is. So that's the system. And you've got to be knowing where your money's going. That's the proper reference point. And then we're talking about constant corrections. Uh, the second law of physical balance. Uh, you've got a balancing beam. You're constantly correcting. If you're walking a chalk line that Officer Friendly puts down for you, and you can't walk on that. You have to get in the back seat with the German Shepherd. I mean, you have to keep that, you know, that uh, proper balance and your constant corrections. And then the third thing is clear objective. 
And if you're walking from uh, uh, New York to uh, across the Niagara Falls to Ontario, Canada, you need to have the uh, clear objective of where you're going. And we discovered last week from an amazing text in First Chronicles chapter 29 that uh, the clear objective for all of our finances, the umbrella over which everything matters, is this. One simple two-word phrase. It's honor God. Honor God. Not with some of your finances. Not with some of your life. Uh, you know, when I uh, pledged my vow to my wife uh, 42 years ago almost, I didn't say, I'm going to give her 10%. Of my best. I said, I pledge you my hundred percent. And that's exactly what God wants. We need to have a clear objective that in our earning, our spending, our saving, and our giving, it's a powerful idea. We have to honor God. And the reason that we honor God is because everything we have belongs to Him. Ten percent doesn't belong to Him. A hundred percent belongs to Him. Everything we have belongs to God. And, and, and again, and this is something that we've talked about this whole series. I want you to hear this again. We don't want something from you, God says. God says, I don't want something from you. I want something for you. I want you to experience peace and I want you to experience financial freedom. I want something for you. So when God talks about money, he's not trying to get something from you. He's trying to give something to you. And so we had really uh, kind of a defining moment last uh, Lord's Day and give you an opportunity to just be liberated and say, Lord, I give you everything. My money, my time, my hands, my feet, my mind, my family, my job, my church. I give you everything. So today I want to come back to, uh, and we're going to talk about uh, the, the middle law of physical balance. Labor. Today I want to come back and talk about uh, constant corrections, that middle, uh, that middle thing. Now, if you're in the Cirque du Soleil or somewhere else, uh, you're constantly correcting your balance. And we do that physically. <laughs> On the boat, uh, the rotter was really rough Friday night, uh, Thursday night. We got there, we left here about 5 o'clock p.m., got to San Diego midnight. The boat left about 2 in the morning, and it was rough water. And so you were like this kind of, in fact, when you got off the boat after two days on the boat, you felt like the pier was still moving, you know, and, and, and we had, you had to constantly correct. So we were standing all along the, uh, the boat and you pressed up against this railing and my thighs right here, black and blue, because you're constantly balancing. And, and, and if you don't do that, you fall in the water. And a couple of times I thought we were going to lose Rusty. You know, or somebody else. But what we didn't, we're constantly correcting. And, and what we need to do in fina- our financial realm is we need to constantly correct. And I want to talk about one specific thing today that will help you in your constant correction that will make you financially free. And that one thing, that one correction I want to talk about today is the use of debt. Now, I'm not talking about corporate debt or business debt. I mean, those are all things that we could talk about because the scripture speaks to those as well. But I'm talking about personal Debt. Now, let me just give an aside here. Um, by the way, this is never about, you, you know, our church. We don't want to ever tear anyone down. We want to build you up. But I also want to be truthful about what the Bible says. And so this isn't about guilt or condemnation or, oh, I've done it so bad. Because for many years, Sherry and I did it the wrong way. And we felt the pinch of not being able to be generous. And we felt the pinch of owing money that we shouldn't owe and and all of that. So so this is not about condemnation. But I I do want you to recognize that for all of us, we are kind of a product of our families of origin. Uh, If you were raised in a family, 
uh, like my wife was, Sherry, um, you were raised where debt was a bad thing and that you paid with cash. And uh, and uh, you saved money if you wanted to purchase something. You didn't, you know, you didn't uh, leverage the future for something today. And uh, so, but I was raised in a family where uh, my dad didn't make a lot of money. He was going to school all the time, working as a milkman. And very early on in their married life, and this really uh, debt, personal debt didn't start happening uh, in, in in terms of credit cards until after World War II. So in the 1950s, my dad was struggling, and they came out with this thing called revolving credit. That sounds sounds nice, doesn't it? You know, revolving credit. Well, what happens is you end up revolving into debt, <laughs> and, and 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 so a lot of people in the 50s and 60s were in that, and and our generation, my generation, wants to um, apologize, and this is sincere, to the younger generation. Uh, what we've done to you and what we've taught you is wrong, and we're trying to fix that as best we can, but it was wrong, and, and so we got involved in all kinds of. And so to me, growing up, a debt, you know, if we didn't have money to go out to dinner. My dad said, well, we can go out to dinner because we've got a credit card. And, and so, so Sherry and I were both raised differently. And, and so when we got married, Sherry was much more cautious than I was. And I was much more aggressive. And, and finally, uh, after years of being married and trying to work that all together, uh, and I hate to admit this, but it's true, I found out that she was right and I was wrong. And, and we had to adjust and we had to make that correction. And what I'm, what I'm suggesting to you today is that no matter where you are in the area of personal financial debt, uh, that you can get better and you can get better quickly if you choose to. And uh, we did. And many people in our church have through Financial Peace University. And we'll be running that uh, that program again, either in the late summer, early fall. We'll let you know when that's coming up. But personal financial debt usually is a result of family of origin. Don't blame yourself too much. It's blame mom and dad. No, don't do that either. Uh, but, but it's kind of part of family of origin. But, but you can stop it, right? You, you can stop it. You can say the last generation didn't do this very well. The World War II generation did it well. The post, the baby boomer generation, my generation didn't do it very well. And now we've got to do a, a correction. And that's what we're talking about today. And this isn't just my idea. This is God's idea. OK, so uh, that's what we're talking about today, because um, th- there's two ways of of, of, of changing your lifestyle. One way is you save up money and you buy stuff. You change your lifestyle. You buy that, that shiny, that flat screen, that, that bling. You know, you save up your money and you buy it. That's one way to change your lifestyle. Another way to change your lifestyle, much quicker, much easier, at least initially, is you put the plastic down and you buy what you want now. You've changed your lifestyle. Now, you've leveraged against your future, but you've changed your lifestyle. And like the old poem goes, one system is fast. One system is slow, one brings peace, the other brings woe. And and those of us who have experienced personal debt, we would say to that, woe is right. I mean, woe, it it affects every part of your life. And what God wants to give you, what your Heavenly Father wants to give you, is peace and freedom. Instead, we have leveraged our future and we have consumed our way into debt. And it's killing us. As individuals and as a nation and as a world, it is killing us. Did you know that our personal debt as Americans, if we took all of our, not our mortgage, okay, not your mortgage, but your personal debt, credit cards, all that kind of stuff. If you took all of Americans' personal debts and put it in one barrel, we could change world hunger today. We could change it today. Nobody would be hungry in the world if Americans would take the money instead of their debt and put that towards world. We could change it today. So that's what we're talking about today. God says very clearly and emphatically, debt is going to kill you. 
So stay away from it. One system is fast. One is slow. One brings peace. The other one, well. So all of us have shiny. You know, I love shiny. And I saw a car yesterday on the way back from San Diego, the fishing trip. It was a BMW convertible. And all of a sudden, my, my, my meter inside of me, my lust meter, just starts clicking up. And I'm thinking of my 2001 Corolla that has 160,000 miles on it and smells like Diet Coke and onions. I'm thinking of that. And I'm thinking, man, I'd like that bling. And then I thought, no, that would cost like $600 a month. And then I couldn't be generous and I couldn't do it. And, and I finally corrected myself. But I'm just like you. I'm no better than you. I have that, 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 that crave meter, that lust meter that just, 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 just kind of ratchets up just like that. And, and we, no, we're not going to do that. And, and so that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, Sherry and I have been on both sides of this issue. We've been in debt and we haven't been for the last 10 years. And I can't tell you the difference. You know what? We don't argue anymore. If we, if we do, it's about something stupid. But before, we used to argue all the time about money. Number one cause of divorce is finances. It's not sex. It's not something else. It's finances. And, and, and so we've been on both sides. So I'm not speaking to you from a place up here. I'm speaking to you a place right here where we all live. So I want to convince you personally and more important, biblically, that your Heavenly Father has spoken on this issue. He wants you to experience peace and freedom. That's what He wants to give you. He wants to guarantee you with full and extraordinary joy a life that's free from financial worry and peace. Now, I want to share with you three scriptures today, all from the Old Testament. We're going to do other New Testament scriptures other, later in the series. But three scriptures from the Old Testament, and each of them speak directly to the issue of debt. And my goal this morning is to inspire you to come up with a plan to get rid of your consumer debt. Okay, that's my goal. So, you know, right up front. And the reason it's my goal is because it's your heavenly father's goal. And he knows what's best for you and what he wants for you. And he wants you to give you peace and freedom. And uh, that's what he wants for each and every one. So the first passage that I want to look at is in Deuteronomy. So let me give you just a hair of a backstory. Uh, God is leading children of Israel into the promised land. Uh, it's all good. And God says to them, if you obey me, I will bless you. Okay, that's the, the old uh, Abrahamic covenant that was then the Mosaic covenant changed a little bit. And he said, if you obey me, I will bless you. And he said, I will bless you. I'll give you big crops and I'll give you fat cows and I'll, and I'll give you babies that are bigger and fatter than the Moabites' babies. And, and, uh, and you'll have wheat that's tall and your rains will come. And I'll bless your lands if you follow me. Okay, so that was God's promise. But he said, if you disobey me. Now, God doesn't go around, you know, like this. That's not what God does. If you, if you disobey me, what I'll do, and we've heard this from me many times. God says, okay, 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 okay. You want to do it yourself? You want to live your own life? You want to spend your own money? Okay, okay, I'll, I'll just back off. I'll just, I'll just wait. I love you, and I want the best for you, but you're telling me, God, stay out of my finances. I don't want you in it. So God says, okay, I'll, I'll wait. Let's see how it works out. And most, for most of us, say, man, this, this is terrible. I should have never let God out of my finances at all. So, so that's what's happening with the Israelites. And uh, Because uh, when, we, when we disobey God, it's, God says, okay, I'll, I'll put hands off. Because here's what God is saying to the Israelites, and here's what he'd say to you. I want the world to look at Israel and go, whoa, who is their God? That's what God wanted to do with the Israelites. 
He wanted the, all the other nations, the Moabites and the Jebusites, all the nations, he wanted them to look at the nation of Israel and say, man, look at them. I wonder who their God is. And you know what? He wants the same thing for you and me today. He wants to look at Christians and say, look at those Christians. Man, I wonder who their God is. I wonder who's blessing them. So that's what we have in this passage, Deuteronomy 28.12. This is the word of God. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty. <laughs> that's the God of creation that's saying this. The storehouse of his bounty to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend money to many nations, but will borrow from none. Did you know that was in the Bible? That, you know what? That's just good sense. As part of my blessing, God says, you will be the leader of all the nations in lending. You'll be the leader in generosity. You'll be the leader in helping other people. But the evidence of my blessing is that you will not borrow because you recognize that God has given you everything you need. See, sometimes we don't want to give to God because we think he's stingy. He's withheld from us. He's just not giving us the amount of money and the good job that we really want. We think God is stingy. We don't understand this concept that we're to honor God with everything because everything comes from him. So it used to be, back in, when I was a boy, uh, uh, maybe even the generation before, uh, it used to be that if you borrowed money, you were in trouble. Did you know that? I mean, man alive, if you, if you, if you borrowed money, that means you're in trouble. That's, something's wrong. But it's funny how that uh, our society, our culture has turned that upside down. Now the culture says, uh, if you don't borrow money, you're in trouble. Uh, a while back, a couple of years ago, Sherry and I went to buy a new bed. And uh, we didn't want to uh, we wouldn't want to take money out of our savings. So they had this deal, you know, we'll put it on uh, credit for uh, a year. And if you pay it off, you don't pay any interest. So I said, that's that's good. That's good use of my that's good use of my money. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll still be getting some, you know, like a half percent interest on my savings. We'll be, you know, and, and but we'll still be getting that. And then we'll do this. And so we ran a credit check on me. The guy came back, and said, Mr. Cross, I'm sorry, we can't we can't give you any credit. I said, are you kidding me? We don't owe anything. He said, I know that's the problem. Yeah. And he made me feel guilty that I didn't have debt. He didn't actually. He, didn't, he tried to. <laughs> didn't work. Yeah. He said, you have no credit history for the last 10 years. I said, that's because we don't charge anything. I mean, we charge gas and stuff like that and pay it off. But, and, and it was funny how our society has changed. It used to be if you borrowed money, you, you felt bad about it because things weren't going well. Now, if you don't borrow money, you feel bad about it. And so you get these credit cards in the mail. Oh, I must be doing pretty well because they're trying to give me another visa. No, because that doesn't mean you're doing well. It means you're doing badly. You know, that's why they want to give you another visa. How many of you remember, are old enough to remember layaway? Okay, layaway was awesome. Uh, now, you young people today, you say, what? What is that? Is that what you have for babies? No, it's a layette. No, layaway. Uh, my grandmother used to take me down to Walker Scott on Saturday. Not me, but I just want to get out of the house. And we go down to Walker Scott when I was a little boy. And she would, uh, this beautiful store in downtown San Diego. It was the biggest store, the best store in downtown San Diego. And so we jumped in her 1939 Chevy and, you know, toddled down there. And, and she went in there and she, and she would look over stuff. And they didn't have a lot of money, but she thought, I'd really like that blanket. Okay, that blanket is uh, $3, Mrs. Price. Okay, I'd like to put it on layaway. And so my grandma would give them 50 cents. 
And the store would take the blanket and put it back in the storage room with her name on it. And then every time she pays her 50 cents, by the time she's paid the three bucks, the blanket's hers. And so she takes it home. And, and that's pretty cool. Now, what if you were to do that uh, to your Toyota dealer? Go to your Toyota dealer. You know, I'd like to put that car on layaway. They say, well, what, what do you mean? Well, I'm going to give you $500 this month. And the next month, they'll give you $500. And when it's paid for, you keep it back in the back and put a tarp over it. And when it's paid for, I'll come and get it. And they would say, are you kidding me? You're crazy. What are you talking about? But here's the thing. If you were to do that in five years, guess what? You have a brand new car. And it's paid for in cash. People forget that this, we, we make fun of the old timers for layaway. And yet that's exactly the way God wants us to do our business. Now, today, our young people, no, it's brand new. Why would you not take the flat home, flat screen home today? Why not? Well, because it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the bank. God says, why would you want to be in debt? That's what your Heavenly Father would say to you today. Why do you want to be in debt? Because when you pay something off, it doesn't have its shine anymore. When you pay something off, you can't even find it. It's in the basement, you know. When you pay something off, you've probably already eaten it. You know, so so it's, it just doesn't work. This debt thing just doesn't work. God says from his heart, from your heavenly father's heart, he says, I want you to know that uh, debt is going to hurt you. And then there's a second verse in Proverbs 22, 7. And here's what it says. The rich rule over the poor and the borrow, borrower is the servant to the lender. Now, this is where we go from what they used to call preaching to meddling. <laughs> and I recognize that. This is uncomfortable for me, and I, I assume it's uncomfortable for many of you. But listen to this word. This is, this is a verse with no qualifications. This doesn't, say, this doesn't have any ifs to it. It doesn't have any buts to it. No qualifications. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Now, God said this, and here's what's interesting. God said this through who? Who wrote this? Solomon. The wealthiest and wisest man in the world. <laughs> now, you would think that Solomon say, I don't care what you do with your money. I've got plenty. No, Solomon said the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. And what, what God is saying is this. As I observe the world, individuals, companies, nations, in some way, when you borrow money, you become a slave to that corporation or that nation or that person. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is, this, this is really, really basic, but it's very painful to hear. Because we never think about that when we put something on our Visa card and that we don't pay it off that next month. We are, we, are, we are owing someone. So they have the right, if they want to, to call you up on the phone and say, where's my money? You have lost your freedom to Visa. You've lost your freedom to Amex. You've lost your freedom to GMAC. You've lost your freedom to the car company. They can call you up anytime they want. They can come, they can knock on your door. Where's my money? Where's my money? We say, God, I want to serve you with everything. But while we're saying, God, I want to serve you with everything, Visa is saying, gimme, gimme, gimme. You owe me. You are not free. I can come to your house. I can knock on your door. I can pick up the phone. I can send an email. You are not free. I own you. And that's scary. And God says, don't do that. See, our Heavenly Father says, I want you to be free to follow me. No condemnation here. No shame, folks. Please don't hear that. But, but here's what our Heavenly Father, and this is the phrase that keep coming to me as I wrote this sermon. The, the phrase the Heavenly Father would say is this. Why, 
Why would you serve someone else instead of me? Why would you serve Visa? Why would you serve GMAC? Why would you serve uh, this company or that? Why, Why would you serve anybody except for me? We consume our way into personal slavery and our Heavenly Father with great love and compassion. Why? Why would you do that? Why would you do that to yourself? Why would you limit your own freedom, your own peace for stuff, for a lifestyle? Why? Would you allow yourself to become enslaved to someone else? To someone else, quite honestly, that doesn't care about you. You know, the people that handle your visa account, they're not your friends. They may sound like it. Oh, Mr. Smith, how are you today? Can I increase your credit limit to 15000 You know, like, like it's your best friend. Man, that's like the enemy's voice in your ear saying, don't do that to me. Why I would become a slave to someone who only knows you as a social security number or a phone number or an email address. Why would you do that to yourself? Now, the spiritual background to that verse is this. And this is what God says to us. He says, the problem is that we lack self-control. Now, the self-control is one of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Um, it, because we've always believed that if things are going really well, then we can charge more. We're leveraging the future. Uh, but nations and individuals that do that become enslaved to the lender. The borrower becomes enslaved to the lender. And God says, from my heart, I love you. Don't do that. If you want to be a slave to anyone, and God wants you to be a slave, he wants you to be a slave to him. Don't be a slave to anyone else. There's a third verse that I want you to look at. Proverbs 25:28. Again, from the wisest, wealthiest man in the world, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, It's a powerful concept, and I hope this will be a motivator for you. And uh, here's what it says, Proverbs 25, 28. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. Now, er this this is applicable in any area of our lives, morally, in our academic life, our physical life, our spiritual life, and our financial life. If, If we are the commander of our city, let's say our finances in that one example, and uh, we have we have uh, stored up food and and water and we've got a strong wall and uh, we've kept our finances to where we can be generous and we can help other nations and we can help other people and all of that. But as soon as there becomes a breach in our wall and that breach is usually in the form of a debt, a breach in our wall, then someone else breaks into our city and literally enslaves us. What this verse is saying by not exercising self-control. You give over control to your enemy. Please hear that again. By not exercising self-control, you give over control to your enemy. Someone outside the walls. Someone that works for Visa. No problem. I mean, Visa's doing fine. Amex is doing fine. They're great. They, they don't really need your money. They've got plenty of other money. But these outside vendors, these financial companies, uh, there's a penetration of the wall of our walls financially, and we literally give up control of our lives. And they don't even know your name. And they don't care about your name. Why? The Heavenly Father says this. Why would you do that? Why would you do that just to drive a different car? Or to wear designer jeans? Why would you do that? Why would you give up control? someone else? Why would you give up your freedom? See, the world's standards are all upside down. So here's what, again, our Heavenly Father wants to say to us today. 
Get out of debt. Give up control. Give up giving control to other people. Allow this to, to fill your soul with peace and freedom. God's not saying, no, you're naughty, you're naughty. But, but this is, again, through the heart of your Heavenly Father, this is one of those constant corrections that you have to make. Or are you going to fall over into the ocean? You have to make this correction. Now, there's one last compelling reason of why we want to stay away from debt. And it impacts our ability. Now, please hear this. When you're involved in a lot of consumer debt, it impacts your ability. Now, please hear that word, ability, not your desire or your passion, but your ability to be generous. Now, some of you are passionate. I mean, we hear about uh, Maggie's place and what a, an amazing thing our church is doing to help these young women and their children to make them feel special. Can you imagine, you know, spending 20 bucks or two hours of your time to help something like that? What a dip. How much better is that than four cups of Starbucks coffee? I mean, come on, be serious to leverage 20 bucks or a couple of hours. Isn't that incredible? God says, when, when, when you have let them storm the wall, you know, with all these companies, and you've let them come into your house and, and take charge where you're serving Amex and GMAC and all, when, when you've done that, you don't have the ability, you still may have the heart, but you don't have the ability to be generous. I've had so many people tell me, man, I would just love to give to our church. I would just love to give to this ministry or that ministry. But man, we're just so bound up in debt. And I say, I know I've been there. I know how hard that is. But trust God in this. Honor God in everything you do. And start by giving a small amount. Start being generous even when you don't have it. Well, I, and, but there's always margins for all of us if we choose to. God says, I, I know this impacts your ability to be generous. And we can't live it ourselves to not being able to give to those who are in need because we've spent money on things that we don't need. That's a harsh word, but let me say that again. We limit ourselves to giving to those in need because we've spent money on things that we don't need. That's sad. The God says, the Heavenly Father says, come out of that. Don't do that. Get rid of all of those other masters. Now, again, we're going to have another Financial Peace University class coming up. If, how many have taken that? Raise your hands. Okay, you can look and you see how many people have taken that. It, it impacts your life like you can't believe. Sherry and I did it a couple of years ago. Now, we, we had no debt, but we did it because we knew we could still do better with our money. So we did and we learned so many things. But our group, I, there's about 30 of us from our church. Our group put down all of our personal debt. That was a big number. I forget how much it was. I'll just make up a number because I can't remember. Michelle Nennis would know. Michelle Nennis. Michelle Pollard would know. It was like, let's say $500,000. That was the debt uh, that our people had. Within the 12 weeks of the class, we paid off like $200,000 of that debt. You say, how is that possible? Well, go to the class and you'll find out. But the thing is, uh, there's lots of plans out there. And FPUs, Dave Ramsey's just one of them. That's not the only plan. The, the, the problem, here, here's the issue. is not, is there a plan available? The, pro, the issue is, are you willing? Because I know, because I've been in your position. Some of you are saying, get out of my business, Dwayne. I know, I know. But you know what? This isn't God. This isn't me. This is God. The third thing most often he talks about in the Bible after love and faith is money. Because he knew that was going to be a problem for us. And so to wrap this up this morning, I just want to give you kind of a, 
a couple of action points. The first one is this, and I, I prayed about this, and Sherry and I have done this prayer on our knees after my gambling thing was over and we had nothing left. When we moved here to Arizona, we had zero. And uh, so we had the privilege of starting over. Privilege, yeah. And, uh, and it was. Maybe some of you need that privilege. Uh, we, but, but, but here's what we did. We got down on our knees and we apologized to God. God, we have let other people, mortgage companies, car companies, Visa, Amex, we've let other companies take charge of our lives. And we are so sorry, God. We never want to do that again. We want you to be the only God in our lives. We don't want to be a, 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 a borrower that puts ourselves in slavery to someone else. So God, forgive us. I have not honored you by the way I've done my money. And I only want one master. Some of you need to pray that prayer like Sherry and I did 10 years ago. You need to pray that prayer. And you need to be on your knees with your spouse and your family, your children, and pray that prayer. And then another thing that I just want you to do is you have to be accountable. Everybody says, I can do this on my own. I've found it's really hard. You need other people around you. That's why we do Financial Peace University. You need accountability. Dave Ramsey says, you need to start getting rid of stuff. I mean, you know the cycle we do? We buy bling, we buy shiny. And before it's even paid off, it's not shiny. And then it's in the basement. And then it's in a garage sale. And then it's in somebody else's house. And they shine it up and it starts all over again. And we do this crazy cycle over and over and over again. So God wants us to be accountable. He wants us to get rid of stuff. Dave Ramsey says, get rid of stuff until your kids think they're next. See, you, you get rid of so much stuff, you know, getting rid of this extra car and the boat and whatever. I'm not saying what you, but you get rid of all this and the kids are thinking, I better be on my best behavior because I'm next. You know, Here, here's the deal. When you start doing this God, God's way, when you honor God, when you honor God, now I can't make this a promise because it's not a promise in the Bible. But when you start honoring God and you invite him back into your finances, God, I need you in all of my life, including the other 90% of my finances besides my tithe. I need you in all. When you do that, you watch what happens. The Malachi 3 principle kicks in and God pours out his blessing on you. I don't know what that will look like for you. I'm not making any promises. I'm not a health and wealth guy. I don't believe in that. The people on television, are, they have no idea what they're talking about because they're not biblical. But I'll tell you what, if you do this, God's promise, I promise I will pour out my blessing on you. Again, I don't know what that will look like for you, but, but ask God back into your life. Ask God into your finances. So don't be a slave to anyone. So here's my challenge for each of you today. Number one, a prayer of repentance. On your knees before God, a prayer of repentance. And the second thing, a plan of accountability. How am I going to get out of debt? Decide that today. Don't wait another day. I will not be a slave to anyone but God. Less stuff, more peace, a generous heart, a joyful spirit. God, I will honor you in everything in my life and especially my finances. Now, I'd like to invite you to bow your heads with me. And I just want to, before we pray with your heads bowed, I just want to say to you as your pastor, I want this so badly for you. And, and I don't want it because there's anything in it for the church. I don't, I'm not even caring about that right now. But I want this so badly for you. I want you to experience freedom and peace I want you to honor God with everything. I don't want you to have a master of, of, of a master card or because when we allow them to be our master, they are our master. 
Then when we say, God, you know, I want to be generous. I want to be generous. And American Express says, pay me, pay me. And then we've just discovered who our master really is. Lord, forgive us. So, family, I just want to encourage you from the bottom of my heart to have a prayer of repentance and then to figure out a plan of accountability and you will be set free. Father, this is my prayer for my family, for each of us as we live our lives faithfully for you. For we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, Amen.